Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All this Lenten season, we have been focusing and reliving some of the events surrounding Jesus' passion leading up to his death and resurrection through the eyes of those who were there with him. We've called it Passion Points of View. Tonight, we travel with the disciples to the upper room where Jesus had the last meal with them. We get to watch as Jesus washes his disciples' feet. Now, if you are people who subscribe to our chapel devotions, you know that earlier today, the chapel devotion from Mitchell Muller was all about this text. I scolded him before the service for stealing all my ideas before I could preach the sermon tonight. No, what a great devotion Mitchell wrote, and maybe this is just a shameless plug that you can sign up to get those devotions delivered to you every single day as well. I thought about washing feet this week a lot because it's one of those things that we don't think about very often. But I'm sure that many of you have had the experience that I've had. You've come home from a long day being on your feet a lot and you take off your shoes and pow, the smell just hits you. Or, or maybe it's somebody else who notices the smell first, right? Did you know that there's actually a medical term for having feet that don't smell very nice? It's called bromidosis. It's actually a compound Greek word, dosis meaning to give, and brom means a stench or a foul odor. And so it makes sense that that's what it's called. As I thought this week about the idea of washing people's feet, it gave me a brand new appreciation for those professionals who serve in jobs like podiatry. Then I thought about Jesus' day. And I want to take you back to that time 2,000 years ago and what this would have been like. Remember, there were no shoes or socks. There weren't odor eaters or foot powders that you could use. No, people walked around in sandals all day long. They had dirty, dusty, smelly feet. And so when they arrived at someone's house, it was very common for a servant to meet them and have a basin of water with which their feet would be washed. We're not told why. But on this evening, when the disciples came to meet Jesus in the upper room, there was no servant to carry out that duty. Instead, it was Jesus it was Jesus himself who took on this servant's task to wash his disciples' feet. John sets the stage for us in these words in the first verse of chapter 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus is demonstrating his love, not in words, but in action. That last phrase, that he loved them to the end, is really a Greek idiom. You'll find in other translations something to this effect. He showed them the full extent of his love, or he loved them to the fullest. That's what Jesus was doing that Monday, Thursday evening, opening the disciples' eyes to the full extent of his love. A love that showed itself in action. Listen again to these words from John chapter 13. 
He, Jesus, got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around them. What was happening here? Is it difficult for us to understand that the disciples' minds had to be spinning, watching their Lord and Master wash their feet, take on that lowly servant's task? I wonder, as I think through all of the disciples that were there to get their feet being washed, what the thought process was. I think about Nathaniel, who had said, can anything good come from Nazareth? Was he now looking at Jesus and saying, look at how good this Jesus is? Were the seeds of doubt already planted in Thomas's mind and in his heart? Or what about James and John, those two disciples who had asked Jesus for positions of power and honor and glory in his kingdom? Now watching their Lord and Master taking on this task of washing feet, were they humbled by the humility that Jesus himself showed? Or I think about Peter, who was about to make some very brash and bold predictions about himself. Did he realize in watching Jesus that when love is at the forefront, forefront, that ego has to take a back seat? And then, of course, there's Judas. Judas, who had already accepted payment to betray Jesus, getting his feet washed by the one that he would betray. I wonder if the pangs of guilt were already there for Judas. Or maybe just consider all of the disciples collectively. Their minds could hardly wrap themselves around what Jesus was doing. I thought to myself, if the disciples knew what was going to happen when they arrived that day, if they knew that Jesus was going to be the one wrapping the towel around his waist and washing their feet, would it have changed the way they arrived? Hold on to that thought for a second. Do you remember the last time you went to the dentist? Maybe for some of you it's easier to remember that than others. But I'm going to guess, unless you're way different than me, the days leading up to your dentist appointment are days that are filled with some extra flossing. Maybe you brush your teeth a few extra times and maybe a little bit longer than you've done in the past. Maybe on the day of your appointment you brush not once but at least twice or maybe even three times, put a little mouthwash in because you want to come to the dentist presenting the best mouth and teeth that you can. Maybe even prove to your dentist that you have great habits when it comes to taking care of your teeth. When the disciples arrived and Jesus was washing their feet, I wonder how many of them thought, Man, if I knew Jesus was going to do this, I'd have done some cleaning before he got to me. I don't know. But I think there's a great spiritual truth there, isn't there? Don't we think that we can do the same thing when we present ourselves to Jesus? That somehow we can make ourselves clean or at least cleaner than others? Don't we think that somehow we can maybe meet Jesus halfway and and make our lives worthy of Jesus' love? You see, Jesus' point 
speaking to Peter the way that he did, was to demonstrate that there's only one way to be cleansed. And it's completely apart from me or from you. In his letter to the Romans, the Apostle Paul wrote this, God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's what Jesus had come to this earth to do. And the washing of feet was merely symbolic of something greater that Jesus was yet to do. His attitude of humility, of humble service, would take him much further than just washing his disciples' feet. A little bit later that evening, it was Jesus who instituted the Lord's Supper, giving his disciples his very body and blood connected with the bread and wine in a miraculous way. Tonight, 2,000 years later, we celebrate the very same sacrament. And Jesus comes to you and me, giving himself to us again, his very body and blood in the bread and wine. We do this to remember, to remember the sacrifice Jesus made for us. And wasn't Good Friday the ultimate proof of Jesus' servant's heart? That he was willing to go all the way to the cross to cleanse you and me and all of those disciples from their sins? That's exactly what Jesus was doing. And like the disciples, we stand in awe at the humility of our Savior, Though King of kings and Lord of lords stooped down so low that he cleansed us from sin by sacrificing himself. As Jesus finished up his display of service in washing their feet, he had some application for his disciples. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. wonder how many times the disciples thought about these words after Jesus died on Good Friday and then rose again on Easter Sunday. How many times did this thought come back to them that, That Jesus who was willing to die for us has given us a chance to serve him with our lives. You see, the same Savior who poured water into a basin to wash the disciples' feet poured out his life on a cross. Jesus who came to clean the disciples' feet that night came for a greater cleansing, the cleansing of dirty souls stained by sin. Yes, we rejoice with the disciples that Jesus would serve us in such an amazing way, stoop so low to give us what we could never come to on our own, the holiness and righteousness through the forgiveness of sins that we need. And then Jesus asked his disciples that question, a a searching question, isn't it? Do you understand what I have done for you? Do you understand what this means? He knew the disciples didn't fully understand at that time. But he knew that later, when the Holy Spirit came on them, they would understand that God had given them an opportunity to not only serve Jesus, but to serve others as well. 
Jesus says to you and me tonight, that's why I served you. I served you first for the forgiveness of sins, but then so that you could follow my example and be blessed by doing the same things that I have done for you. Jesus asks us simply to look around, to see where people are hurting, where people are in need, where we can be Jesus to others. It doesn't have to be anything that's earth-shattering. Maybe it's simply a kind word to someone who's had a bad day, an encouragement when someone is feeling low. Maybe it's looking around your neighborhood to see who needs some help with yard work or shoveling. Maybe it's watching someone's kids for them, helping someone study for a test, picking up an extra shift for someone at work. There's so many simple ways that we can use Jesus' love for us to demonstrate love to others. Random acts of kindness, paying for someone's lunch when they weren't expecting it, we can demonstrate Jesus' love in this life. And then maybe they'll ask, why? And we can point them to Jesus, the source of every single blessing that we have. So those disciples in the upper room got that great display of Jesus' servant's heart and then were able to carry it out in their lives. Some takeaways from our sermon tonight. Number one, Jesus demonstrated his love by taking on the lowliest task of dying for our sins. Later in chapter 15, Jesus would say this, Greater love has no one than this, that he give up his life for his friends. It's exactly what Jesus has done for you and me, people he calls his friends. And number two, Jesus encourages us to swallow our own pride and serve each other with the love he has for us. We know how hard that is, don't we? We know how easy it is to look at others and think that we're somehow less stained than they are, that, that somehow we're better. But Jesus reminds us that we're all the same, in deep need of his love, love that he brought in full measure and without fail so that we will live with him forever. Do you understand what I have done for you? Maybe Jesus could ask us that same question tonight. And we know, don't we? Through the Spirit who has worked faith in our hearts, we know that Jesus came to this earth to win forgiveness of sins for each one of us. That his servant's heart took him all the way to the cross. That's what he was, obedient to death. Even death on a cross. When we see Jesus give up his own needs, his own wants to serve you and me, it's our reminder that our eternal salvation is secure in him. We know what we have, life forever. And in that life, Jesus says, you can be sure that your service to others will also be a blessing. Not only to them, but to you and to my kingdom. And nothing will separate you from my love, which will take you and me to our eternity with him forever. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.